What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Break Free on Purpose podcast. We are going to dive into breaking free from lethal thought patterns and step into your God-given purpose. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Break Free on Purpose podcast. I hope that you guys are having an amazing week. I am pumped up to be here today with you. We are talking about some real juicy. A lot of people don't like talking about this topic because it makes them feel all weird. Um, or they talk about it in like a really interesting, unique culture way. Sex, baby. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things. I don't know the lyrics, so I'm not going to keep singing. But yeah, we're going to talk about sex and we're going to talk about relationship. And we're going to talk about it from a context of Jesus. I'm giggling because my pal and videographer is giggling at me right now. But let's be real. Culture talks about sex all the time in music in movies on social media as like this casual thing as if it's no big deal you can sleep with whomever it's your body you have free agency and free will to do whatever you want that's a scary place to be y'all like that definitely creates a really unhealthy narrative and relationship to your body to other people to how you perceive relationships how you go into them how you perceive yourself and just thinking that none of this matters it doesn't matter what happens on this earth and when i die it won't matter god's gonna forgive me none of this matters well let me tell you it does matter there is such thing as eternity and everything that we do here on this earth 100 plays a role into your relationship with god your relationship to self and others and what's going to happen in your afterlife so let's dive in i think a lot of us grew up i can at least speak from my own story i can't talk for everyone is i grew up from an experience of i learned about sex really at school like in health class and then through my own journey of having sex so it's like pretty like narrow way of learning about it and i think a very common way too is if you don't get taught why sex is important and what that means in relationship and in the context of what god sees for for sex and for marriage then you go try and figure it out yourself so that's why i want to have this conversation because when i started a relationship with God and I became friends with certain people that taught me actually what God sees for us in marriage and sex, I was able to really step into a deep relationship with God and understand who he created me to be, who he created us to be, and how he sees relationship. The Bible is a beautiful place to go as well in terms of learning what God sees for relationship for our bodies um, and for sex as well. So what does the Bible say about sex? Let's start there since we're talking about what culture has said. The culture has said that like it's cool to just sleep around, it's no big deal and not get married. Like what's the point in marriage if you are already living and sleeping with the person when you have all the thing elements of marriage? Why would you get married? Valid question. And let's start with, though, what does God say? So I want to read some scripture for us in regards to what does God say about sex? We'll get to what does God say about marriage in a moment, which some of this is similar. So sex is for procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. It's in the Bible. But it's not just about procreation. If you don't know what procreation is, that means having kiddos. Having babies. It is also where two become one. You've probably all heard the scripture when you're at weddings. Is two becoming one. To become one flesh. How powerful is that? To become one flesh. And we're going to talk about what it means if we've slept with people before marriage and outside of the context of marriage and becoming one flesh with someone who's not our spouse. We'll get to that. 
So sex is a place for pleasure with your spouse and outside of marriage is considered a sin. If you don't know what a sin is, I've heard it once described as you're missing the mark. Like if we were playing darts, you're missing the mark. And what does, what is the mark? The mark is how God wants us to live. And the reason he wants us to live that way is obedience equals blessing and obedience protects us. So he is our father and fathers, leaders. He's also our Lord, which means he's like our boss. Not like our boss. He is our boss. He is the number one boss. They have guidelines to protect you. So there's a reason, even when our flesh says, but why? There's a reason to protect you. And we're going to get into the reasons. So for the sin is considered a sin. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage be marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So we are called to be faithful. Faithful to our father and what he's calling us to, but also faithful in, in relationship. And we are called to flee from sexual immorality and to not cause others to stumble. So that's what God says about sex. And then what does God say about marriage? When I was looking this up for some scripture, I came across something that I thought was really interesting. An article that says, this is by Eagle Families Ministry. And they're saying there's three purposes for marriage. Two of them, you probably could guess. One of them we've already talked about, procreation. The other one is companionship. The third one, which I was like, I did not think of that, but it makes sense, is redemption. And it's talking here about marriage is a place where we come together and we're saved from our sins in holy matrimony. And a healthy marriage is built on Jesus and his teachings and is a path to salvation. I thought that was so interesting because I think we have so many lies that we have in our brain about relationship when we're entering into like getting to know someone or you're engaged or even when you start your marriage that come up because of our past and that God uses relationships to redeem our past. So our relationship with Jesus redeems us from our sins and then he uses all these other vehicles in life, one of the vehicles being romantic relationship with a spouse to redeem us of these lies. You know, some of the lies aren't even because of relationships you were in. It was the relationships that you experienced when you were a kid, your parents' relationships, things you saw on TV and were expectations. God wants to redeem that and he wants to use marriage to redeem it. So I thought that was really powerful. What does the Bible say about marriage? Genesis 2.24 Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So when we have sex with people before marriage, we're becoming one flesh with someone who's not our spouse. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held to honor in honor among all. This is just the same scripture around immoral and adultery that I was talking about earlier. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So he calls us when we're in marriage to be faithful. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and it obtains favor from the Lord. There is so much in the Bible about marriage. And I, I believe that marriage is in the Bible a lot, not just for us, for us humans, but because it is Christ and the bride. So the church and the bride of Christ, there's a lot of, um, what's the word? Like imagery in the Bible 
used like towards things that are like of the flesh but really it's it's god talking to us about his relationship with us his relation or our relationship with the holy spirit our relationship with jesus so it's a lot of imagery so that we can we can put ourselves in oh i see that like the other day god called me to read song of songs which if you're not aware of song of songs is a book in the bible that is very it's known as like very like hot and heavy sexy time at least that's what i always saw it as and I've maybe read it one or two other times and not diligently because it's kind of uncomfortable to read, or at least I thought it was. So I was like, I don't know if I want to read that, God. I took 48 hours until I actually followed through on reading it, which don't do that. If God tells you to do something, do it with urgency. So I read it and I was reading it and felt like God was ministering to me and saying, this is how much I love you. So when you read Song of Songs, and you read these other scriptures, this is also what God is saying about you and his relationship with you, not just your relationship with another person. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, this one's so important when choosing a partner and thinking about who am I going to be with for the rest of my life here on earth and who am I going to build a family with if you choose to do that and that's what God calls you to. How am I going to help build God's kingdom? You want to have someone who's in alignment with your purpose. If someone's like all the way over here and they're like, I don't care about Jesus, it's going to be interesting. So I wouldn't suggest doing that. Second Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be equally or sorry, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So powerful. I've been in relationship with people who they just are not walking with Christ. They could have, they have no interest in that. And it is like butting heads. And what happens is the person who's not walking with Jesus, and that's not part of their purpose to fulfill and walk out their destiny with God and what God calls them to do and live in obedience, then we fall short. We always fall to the other person. Really want to make sure that we are equally yoked. Ephesians 5, 22 through 31. This is, this is a pretty heavy piece of scripture and one that I think in today's culture, a lot of people are uncomfortable with because it calls for us to kind of go against what culture is saying on like e equality with men and women, which I do believe there is equality. And I'm not going to get into this whole scripture because that is not what this podcast is about today. And we will do that one day. But I want to read this because we are talking about what does the Bible say about marriage? Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the lead of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of, the, of water with the word. This, this next portion of Ephesians is part of that. This is just 25 through 33, but I, th I love what it says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It, that's where it starts out, and it's just like, that's like saying, like, how, how does Jesus love his people? selflessly with all his heart no alternative motives so good okay so let's dive into holiness because that's something i think really goes with this as well so we just talked about what does the Bible say about sex? What does the Bible say about marriage? What is culture saying about these things? Which we can tell you is just, it's very loose. It's do whatever you want. You don't want to get married. No big deal. What's the point? It's just a piece of paper. Holiness. This is where I think success comes for relationship in all areas. 
and how to live in obedience. Because following the word of God is hard. Like, I'm not sitting here talking to you right now being like, yeah, it's been so easy living in purity. Like, oh my goodness, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. No, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done for many reasons. Obedience, like, is like holding a mirror up to your face. Like, one of those really, you know those makeup mirrors that they have in hotels or that you can buy at, like, beauty stores? And they just, like, show you every pore that you didn't even know existed on your face. And every chin hair that you had no clue was there. Like, who knew that women should, like, kind of, like, shave their face because, like, we kind of got it. We digress. Those mirrors are, like, stepping into real obedience with God. Like, it's like, okay, yep, I see my flaws. I see where I want to lean on these different things to feel something or to feel loved, or feel valued, or fill a void, or just have a good time. Like, who cares? We're only here for a short time. You're like, you're going to die when you're 90, so like, who cares? Sleep with the guy. Sleep with the girl. No one will know. Jesus knows, though. <laughs> so that mirror is like obedience. It's, it's refining. When you are put into the fire of refinement. It is hot and it is uncomfortable and it is stretching. And let me tell you, like, it's not always a good time and you're not always going to be joyful and you're going to feel emotions and you're going to want to run. But what I will tell you is what follows obedience is serious blessing. Wouldn't you rather be obedient, be holy for a temporary moment or I mean forever but I'm saying like in specific things that feel like oh my gosh this is lasting forever I've I'm never gonna sleep with anyone no your singleness your dating season your engagement season is so short in the grand scheme of how long you're gonna be married and what you are doing in your dating season your singleness and choosing to be obedient is you're training your brain and your body to be obedient and faithful for when you're married. When you think it's just casual, you don't have to be faithful to God because you're not with anyone yet, but it's to God and it's no big deal. Then what happens is then you just you take that same characteristic and you try and cut corners in your marriage. I feel like I'm like told, like, I feel like God's telling me right now to like give some examples. I'm like, I feel like people know, but then I'm also having a feeling that there are some people listening right now that are like, what do you mean cutting corners? I'm not going to cheat on my husband or wife. Well, you flirting with that guy at the bar when you were on a work trip is you being unfaithful. You watching porn or checking out the girls on Instagram or the guys on whatever that other one is. I can't remember. The thing where you like pay to look at pictures, um, whatever that thing is called. Comment below if you know what OnlyFans, that's it. That what you look at is also being unfaithful. You having fantasy about this dude or girl that you just walked by on the beach and you just checked out her booty in that bikini, that's unfaithful. You flirting with your neighbor at that dinner party, that's cutting corners. Because you're trying to fill a void in here that Jesus is supposed to fill. So that's why learning to live in obedience before is so important. Now, if you are married already or you were divorced and you're now single, I want you to know this conversation is for you too. This is not just for my single Sally's. This is for, and by the way, when I say single, you could be dating someone but you're still single because you're not married. You're with them. You're faithful to them, but you're not married yet. So that's, I'm referring to single as dating engaged or uh, single, like literally, like culture says. So holiness. Let's talk about holiness. What does the Bible say about holiness? Holiness is a word that's really only ever used in Christianity. I've never heard it used like outside of the culture of God. So in the Bible, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25, God calls 
all people to faith, to live a life of holiness. Literally, holy living means that the Christian lives of a life set apart, reserved to give glory to God. It is a life of discipline, focus, and attention to righteous living. All right, let's break this down. This is not the scripture verbatim, by the way. I'm reading a summary of 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. So God calls us to be faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? To be focused on him. Faith doesn't mean that you know everything. It means that you are trusting the unseen. You're trusting all that he has already promised us. You're trusting who he is and what he is for us. To live a life of holiness, literally holy living means to be set apart. All right, to be set apart. What does it mean to be set apart? There's a crowd of humans here. Everyone in 99% of the world chooses to live life this way. You are choosing to go the opposite. That's, that's tension-filled. To li- What we were just saying about obedience and refinement, like there's tension there. You're going to feel tension from culture. They're going to feel people telling you like, that's weird. Why would you do that? Take, take, take the girl for a test drive. Like, let's see what it's like to move in together. What if it doesn't work out and you don't even like the same like trash bags, like all these weird things. They're not weird. I shouldn't say that. They're not weird because it's reality. That's culture. That's, I get it. I get it. I have friends who are that. So I, I, I take that back. I'm sorry. It's not weird. But what it is, is it's a lie. It's a lie that we believe that we have to take it for a test drive, the relationship for a test drive. You fill in the blank on what test drive means for you. It could be sex. It could be living with each other, whatever it is. So that being said, would you, I saw this awesome quote the other day. Would you take a Maserati for a test drive? Cause you need to see if it's a nice car. You know that the Maserati is a nice car. You're going to have a good time. It's amazing. Now, if you told me I want to take it for a test drive to see if we can fit a car seat in the back, you don't even have to take it for a test drive. You can just see if it fits. So what does that mean in relationship? Get to know each other. Does this relationship work? Do our personalities work together? Do our purposes work together? Can we have communication and can we work through conflict? Do our emotions work together? Do we have the same values? You don't have to take it for a test drive to see if if you mesh well or see if there's red flags. You just need to get to know each other. So the other part of this was reserved to give glory to God, which I think is so powerful. Again, going back to like, do you believe God is just your savior or do you believe that he's your savior and your Lord? If you believe that he is your Lord, then you want to give glory to him in all ways, which even means doing things that to culturally don't make sense. They may not even make sense to you. To be honest with you, when I first decided to walk in purity and not have sex before marriage and go back on my old ways, or sorry, turn from my old ways, is I was like, this is kind of weird. No man's going to want to be with me because I'm, I'm not going to put out. What if this doesn't work? What if this isn't like a connection? What if we need to know? But then I looked around. I had a few friends who were walking in holiness and purity and choosing to turn from their old ways and some even who had never had sex before marriage. And I was noticing that they were just happier. I was noticing that they were just more at peace. I was noticing like they just had this deep sense of like just being in the flow and with the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know that was all that was until I started to experience it, but they were able to make more wise decisions and everything was a lot less like reactive. It was, as we used to say when I was playing golf, it was like to respond and not to react. To respond is to be slow, to speak, quick to pray. 
to react is just to be quick to to speak, to quick to make a decision. So to give glory to God is to choose obedience, even if you don't understand why the heck you're choosing not obedience. But you know God said to do that. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know all this other stuff because real faith is is trusting in the unseen in God's promises. Now I love this last part. A life of a life, not just a few minutes, not just a season, not just in this relationship, but a lifetime of discipline, focus, and attention to righteous living. A lifetime. Don't you want to be someone who is known for for being a disciplined, focused, attentive individual for the kingdom of God? When we're focused on culture, we're focused on our own flesh, our own kingdom. We don't even realize it because we were made to be sexual beings. It is a desire. It's a normal desire. A hundred percent. I'm not denying that. But that's where we have to cultivate self-control for the season that we're called to to be in obedience. And some people are called to a singleness season forever. And God will give them that self-control. Just like Paul in the Bible. He's like, I wish you guys could all experience this, but to be honest, most of you don't have this type of self-control. And that's okay. That's why marriage is so great. We are going to talk about what happens when we have sex before marriage, like what happens emotionally, spiritually, physically, chemically, but I first want to address something because I think these are really powerful questions that people have and wonder, like, does this apply to me? And those questions that sometimes stop us from maybe entering into a full surrender of our body. So basically living in obedience is full surrender of your body, right? Is you're saying, God, I trust you with my body. I trust that if and when I choose to live in obedience, you will provide the desires of my heart. That's not the only reason we go into obedience. We're not like going into this selfishly. I'm go- I'm going into this full on, like I want to give glory to God and live in obedience so that I can have a clear conscience and be fully connected to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like also saying, God, like I trust you. Like I totally trust you with my whole body, my whole heart, my whole mind that by living in obedience, I'm going to be blessed by an amazing marriage. Something just came up in my mind, too, that I didn't think about until just now. And I've talked about this before with friends, but did not write it down in preparation, is when we choose to wait to have sex before marriage and not have fantasies of individuals and be faithful to God and be faithful to our partners... I I love thinking about it from a perspective of like, if this person's not my spouse yet, then they are technically my brother. How would I be treating my brother? They're my brother in Christ. They're my sister in Christ. Would I be sleeping with my brother or sister? No. Not weird, right? So... Would I be having fantasies about that individual? Well, that's a hard thing to swallow, but it's true. How would I be speaking to them? How would I be loving on them? Okay, so the questions that I think come up a lot when we have these conversations is, am I too far gone? I already had sex with my partner I plan on marrying them you maybe you're engaged you're dating and soon to be engaged and you're like I'm planning on marrying this person but Emma I have already slept with them so what is the point well go back to obedience is not just for you or your partner it's for your relationship with God and to give glory to God one two We want to break any rose-colored glasses that might be occurring. So what I mean by rose-colored glasses is something that's blurring you from seeing red flags. And and red flags doesn't mean a person is bad. It could just mean that that person is not meant for you. And this doesn't always happen. So don't get scared that like because now you're choosing to not have sex with this person that God's going to reveal all these red flags. No, we just want to create clarity of our conscience so that God can 
bring us closer to that individual using communication, using your relationship with God, using prayer, and removing of the physical so you can go deeper in relationship with that person. And then potentially sometimes when we remove the rose-colored glasses, God will reveal red flags that were, were pink for us in the moment because we were sexually involved with that person. Now, another question that I had already mentioned a little bit ago, if you were divorced and you're like, well, I've already had sex, I had kids, like what's the point, Emma? Well, the point is the same exact reasons that I just said about someone who is dating someone is to remove any rose-colored glasses, to grow stronger in your faith and remove the fleshly desires to build self-control and faithfulness, to heal from past relationships, remove sexual ties, which we're going to get into in just a moment, and stand in obedience. Now, what if you're already married? And there's so many scenarios, but what if you're already married and you had sex before marriage, whether it was with that person or with that person and maybe some other people too, and you're already married, why would it matter? Your marriage can be impacted by your sexual past. And this is for like single people. That's why soul ties we're going to talk about is so important Um, and married people, but Your marriage can be impacted by your sexual past because of when you sleep with someone, we take on their emotions. We take on this physical connection like we already read. You flesh become two, flesh become one. So you're becoming one with someone who's no longer your spouse and then you're bringing that into your marriage. There's a disconnect. There's there's something blocking. So the reason this is so important to also talk about if you're married is you might have soul ties with people you slept with before you were with your husband or wife that is blocking you from going deeper in your relationship with your spouse. Now, let's say you only ever slept with your spouse and then you married that person. You slept with each other before marriage and then you married them. And you're like, why would that be a big deal, Emma? Like, They became my husband or wife. Like, it's no big deal. The reason it's powerful to talk about this in that context is because you might be relying on the physical and and you're not able to go as deep as God intended you to emotionally and spiritually with one another. And you're blocking the depth of connection that God's trying to do in your marriage because you're so reliant on the physical to provide value worse connection with your spouse. Imagine if you had all elements of connection with your spouse. Okay, so I alluded to it a little bit, but soul ties. This is what happens when we have sex before marriage. And I'm also going to talk about just like when we're physically involved with people before marriage. This is not for everyone, but sometimes... um, kissing can lead our brains to go to like fantasy land and like in our brain we're having sex but we're just making out with someone so that creates ties with people um watching porn and just having fantasies while masturbating causes ties to individuals um even if you don't know the individual and then also what does is any form of physical intimacy i'm not talking about like hand holding or hugging i'm talking about all forms of sex so not just intercourse, um, can create soul ties. So it's not like, how far can I go? No, 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 no. It's what is full obedience? Not physically being involved with that individual. So soul ties, what happens when we are physically involved with someone pre-marriage is, and this also happens in marriage. That's why this is so powerful. Because God created us to have this deep connection with someone. To become one is to not just become one in the flesh, but like you're becoming one in the brain. You're able to understand that person's emotions. You're feeling their emotions. Your intuition for this individual is so high. You might notice that when you have slept with your spouse and you are recognizing, wow, they're really feeling heartbreak right now. I wonder what's going on in their life. And you're just like so compassionate for them. Like how beautiful is that, that God creates that type of chemistry between us and our partners. Now, what happens when 
this is with someone you are not married to, or you do this out of the context of marriage, is then you're carrying all those emotions, all those fleshes that became one with you. So you might be, I, I noticed this until I learned this, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. Why I was feeling depressed or anxious or frustrated or angry. And just, I felt really disconnected to myself. I felt like I was just living in someone else's body. Well, it's because a bunch of other people's emotions were up in my brain because I made decisions to sleep with people before marriage. At a young age, I didn't know. None of this stuff was like really things that I knew. Not at all, honestly. So how do you get rid of a soul tie? You might be asking yourself. Like we know where it comes from. You've told us about obedience. You've told us why God created sex, why God created marriage, what they are in the context of the Bible. How do I get rid of it? You have the authority of Christ that lives inside of you. And you get to pray for these things to be delivered, aka removed. So I'm going to walk us through an exercise for removing sexual ties and relinquishing your sexual past so you can rewrite your relationship with your body, your relationship with other people, your relationship to God, and rewrite your family's legacy. Because this is an opportunity for you to break the stronghold of fornication in your family. Not just for you, but you're going to set an example for your community. You're going to set an example for your parents, for your siblings, for your cousins. They're going to see that and they're going to ask questions and you're going to tell them about what God's doing in your life. And you're going to tell them the blessing and the power of obedience. And you're going to tell them why it's so important, what God says about marriage, what God says about sex. And it's going to begin to break the chain, the cycle of fornication, which does cause a lot of people to lead down the road of divorce. Because they had to take the Maserati on a test drive. I'm not judging because I have done this, guys. Just telling you. But also, let's be real. Do you really have to take a Maserati on a test drive? Like, I don't even know why I said Maserati. I don't even like cars. Like, it's not my thing. I'm more of a shoe girl. You do have to try the shoe on to see if it fits. But you really don't need to, like, go on a walk for, like, a mile to know if you like them. So it's the same thing. You see if it fits. And then you go look in the mirror. And you're like, oop. These are cute. I don't need to be like, hey, can I borrow these for like 20 minutes? I'm going to go on a mile walk and see if I like these. You cool with that? The store person is going to be like, no, these aren't yours. Guys, come on. That was good. That was the Holy Spirit. That was good. The clerk is literally going to say, and if you don't know what clerk is, because I feel like that's not a word that's used, just it's a store clerk. It's a person who is the salesperson. I don't know why I use that. We're not in the 70s. But like if if they are saying to you, no, these are not yours, that's exactly why you don't need to take it off property. It's not your property. It's not your land. So you don't need, it doesn't need to leave. You can sit right there for the next 30 days, three months to a year and get to know that person until it is your land, until God gives you that property. Oh, that was the Holy Spirit. That was good. That was so good. Now I want to go on a rant on that for just a second. Because this is where I think dating and relationships go wrong. They meet like a cute someone. They kind of vibe in. They like giving love eyes. They go on some dates and they're like, you're mine. All mine. This is why living with Jesus is so important. To go to God first and say, what do you want me to do with this person, God? Do you want me to get to know this person? Do you want me to pursue this person? Is this someone you want me to marry? How do you want us to date? What are the conversations you want us to have? Instead, what happens is we meet this person and we're like, 
Let me tell you all these things that have happened. Let me ask you all these questions to see if you fit in my box. All right, cool. It works. Come on. Let's go. I'm taking you. It's not yours yet, though. Or there's like pressure being put on from one party to the other party of like, why aren't you sleeping with me? Like, don't you say you love me? That's not love. I'm not yours. You're not mine. Why would I give you that part of me? That was such a good example. Thank you, Jesus, for that. All right, let's 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 break some soul ties because I am so excited to tell you guys this. This is something that brought serious redemption and freedom of my mind. I was able to, I feel like I've always been a confident individual, but I think it was a lot of false confidence. And now I have true confidence in who God created me to be as a woman and true confidence in how God created all of us in relationship. And by ridding myself of my sexual past, I was able to fully forgive myself. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven. And he forgets them. I think the hardest part, though, is us forgiving ourselves and us forgetting them. And not making our past our identity and not making our past who we are, who we're going to be. So if God washes you of this and forgets it, like you've got to wash yourself of it and believe it. Believe that God washed your sins away. So this exercise, I really pray, does that for you. All right, step one, and I'm going to put all of this in the show notes for when we're done. And you can follow it step by step. I'll also put it on my website in a PDF form and you can grab it on there. First is to be in a quiet place. I want you to be in a private hall area, like not at a coffee shop, not in your library, not at your office. This is you and God having a private, intimate moment and allow for yourself to be fully present. So don't have something planned like an hour after this. Like I would personally, what I did is scheduled for this to happen and I knew I had nothing going on the rest of the day. I didn't know if this was gonna take me one hour or if this was gonna take me five hours or if I was emotionally just gonna be totally distraught afterwards. Just give yourself space emotionally, mentally, and on your calendar for however much time you need. And you're to do this alone. You're not to do this with your significant other. Do this alone. And if you want them to do it, share this podcast, share this exercise with them, and they will go do it themselves. Um, And then you can share about your experiences together and commitments after, but do this with just you and God. Turn your phone off, turn the music off, turn the TV off, just be fully present. You and Jesus. Number two is we want to cleanse our hearts. We want to cleanse our minds. We want to be fully present. So we need to repent of sins. And I'm not just talking about sexual sin. I'm just talking about sin in general. We want to just get fully present to the Holy Spirit and allow us to hear from God. So just ask God to reveal any sins that we are unaware of. God cleanse us of our unknown sin, cleanse us of XYZ sin. I was angry at, at the store clerk because they will not let me leave with the shoes. Whatever it was, just say it. Because when we express our faults to God and repent of our sins, we remove shame. When you shed light on something that if left in the dark will only grow, it will stop growing. You cut off that source. So that's what you want to do. Just cut off that source. Next is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to enter into this opportunity with you. Holy Spirit, come into my mind right now. Come into my heart right now. Come into this room right now. Speak to me. Be present here, Holy Spirit. Just invite the Holy Spirit in. I want to say something else before I go on with the exercise. Is if you are not walking with Jesus and you're listening to this and you're like, I want to rid myself of my sexual past and soul ties. And I want to, I want to find a husband or a wife that loves me for all of I am and not just for my body. And I want a deep relationship with that individual that's emotional, spiritual, and physical and has a healthy future marriage. And I want to break the cycle of fornication in my family or sexual trauma or sexual past, lust in my family. 
but you're not walking with Jesus right now, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus that God loves you so much. He is your savior that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you, you were worth dying for. So you have an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life right now. And inviting Jesus into your life does not mean that everything's going to be perfect. It's hard work. Obedience is hard work. And making God your Lord means making God first before all all things in your life, everything. So I want to invite anyone who is not walking with Jesus, that is not walking with God, that right now is a time to ask God, I want you to be my Lord. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I accept you into my heart. Because I know we're talking about like Holy Spirit and forgiveness and Jesus. And I know there are people who listen to this that maybe that's not the case for you yet. So I just wanted to let you know that that's available to you at any point. You don't need a fancy church service. You don't need some fancy prayer. You can invite him in at any moment. All right. Number four of this exercise is to write out all the names of the people who you are physically, emotionally, and relationally involved with. Now, some may not, some of you may not remember every single person, whether it was because it was a traumatic event and your brain blacked it out, which our brains are so smart because of that, or maybe because you were intoxicated under drugs or alcohol, or your brain just, again, it maybe it wasn't technically trauma, but your brain, your body associated it with trauma potentially, and so it did black it out. So if you can't remember everyone, that's okay. Whether you have one person on your list or you have 100,000 people on your list. And I, I don't even know if there's someone who's ever had sex with 100,000 people, but I'm just giving dramatic numbers. Is write the names down. All the names. All the names you can remember. Just focus on the names you can rem- remember and then ask God, please reveal to me, God, the names that I cannot remember over the next coming days, hours, weeks, months, reveal to me the names and faces and situations I cannot remember. He will reveal those to you. I personally experienced that where I was just out and about and all of a sudden I'm getting like these random faces and random names and I'm like, that was not random. That was God and I asked him to reveal it and I'm going to break this soul tie right now. And I went through that exercise in that moment. Do not wait, cut it. Like you don't want to be carrying that. All right, so you got all the names down. You're going to do two different types of prayers over each name individually. The first prayer that you're going to pray over each name individually. And every time you pray this prayer, you're going to cross it out. And I want you to say this with authority. Do not say this with lightness. Do not say it with meekness. I want you to say it with serious authority that you are cutting this and asking for forgiveness. Okay. So for the first prayer is Lord, forgive me for I have sinned sexually and emotionally with XYZ name. You say the name, cleanse me of these sins with XYZ and my disobedience, renew my mind, heart, spirit, and body. You cross out that name. You do it for every single person, whether it's one person or a hundred and thousand, hundred thousand people. Second prayer is you're going to pray this over each name. Again, say it with authority. We want these soul ties to be cut. We don't want these emotions of this other person anymore. We don't want to be bound to these individuals. We want to be ready for holy matrimony with your spouse. All right, second prayer is in the name of Jesus, I pray for the sword of the Holy Spirit to cut the soul tie with XYZ for this chain to be broken for all emotions, pain, or memories of this experience with XYZ to be broken of me in Jesus' name. Cleanse me, Jesus, and rip out anything that is not of you and attached to this person experience in Jesus' name. You're gonna do that over each person. So at that point, you should have two X, two crosses, a full X over each name. I'm going to share in the show notes a prayer that I want you to pray. I'm not going to pray it right now. It's pretty long about deliverance of soul ties. You're going to just pray this prayer in closing with yourself and with God over the whole list and um, for what God is going to do. The most important thing here, guys, is obedience. You can pray this prayer all day long, but if you don't believe that God delivered you, if you don't believe that God is cutting these ties... And then you don't choose to live in obedience and accordance to his will. And if you're unsure what accordance to his will means, go read your Bibles. Is none of this matters. I You could pray this prayer and then go back to your old ways. It will not mean anything. If you find that you are living in obedience and it's still not, it didn't work. I would 
encourage you to bring to God and ask him, am I truly believing in you? Am I truly trusting you? Are you in full faith of believing that he can heal you of these past things that he, he truly did forgive you of your sins? Are you forgiving yourself? So sometimes people have to pray prayers of deliverance and healing multiple times, but that's due. You will receive healing and restoration and redemption on the level of how much you believe in God. So it's just a call to us increasing our faith. So obedience is so important. Full surrender. Everything that I talked about will be in the show notes. All these prayers, the step-by-step. If you have any questions, just leave a comment or DM me if you feel uncomfortable having it be a public comment. I am here to help you break soul ties. So excited. Goodbye emotions that we did not want. We were talking about obedience and we just went through an amazing, powerful, specific exercise. That's the other thing with soul ties is you you don't want to generalize because I have done that in the past. There's nothing wrong with putting all soul ties in one bucket and praying just, you know, God, please cut through these soul ties with your Holy Spirit sword and But when you can be really specific, you can drill down to every situation and be relinquished of that. So it just creates more opportunity for freedom. And then we ended it with the exercise being that you're to step into holiness, step into obedience and living in accordance to God's will. And some of you may be asking yourself, well, what does that look like when I'm dating? What does it even look like to live in obedience with God through the dating season, through the engagement season, um, my singleness? And that was something that I, I unfortunately had to learn the hard way of, you know, trying, going against some of those scriptures that we read earlier of like dating people who didn't believe in God and then falling and feeling really shameful and guilty and thank the Lord for friends who called me forward and showed me the path that God used these individuals to show me how to live in obedience. And that's what I want to show you guys here today. It's a lot simpler than you think, but you have to set yourself up for success. If you are wanting to succeed in anything, you have to have a system and a process and reasons that you're doing it. Not just, I'm here to be a good girl. You will fail. Your why needs to be strong And you also need to have clear intentions and guidelines, both for yourself and you need to communicate them to the other person. It is not fair to have these expectations and then the other person not know, especially if that other person is not living their life to glorify God. They're going to feel very rejected when you're not giving them what they want, what they think is in relationship. And they're they're building their relationship expectations off of what culture tells them. So you have to be very clear and say these things from the beginning. So speaking of that, when you first start dating someone, see where they're at. Check the temperature. Like, do you believe in God? Do you believe in waiting to have sex before marriage? What are your physical boundaries? I honestly like to have this conversation pretty soon, like within the first couple of dates. I know that might seem like a heavy topic, but to be honest, wouldn't you rather not create emotional ties with someone and memories with people who you don't even know if they believe in the same things. We want to know is if you are dating for marriage, you want to be intentional about the conversations you have. Reminder, I said this way at the beginning, is that this conversation is through the context and the perspective of biblical and Christian values. So we are not dating like the world. We are dating with the intention of marriage because that's what we believe as Christians we are to do. Now, not everyone is called to marriage. That's okay. Totally normal. That's a different podcast for a different day. So first, having the conversation, gaining clarity. Do you love Jesus? How much do you love Jesus? How are you following Jesus? What are your physical boundaries? How do you plan on having these physical boundaries? So getting the temperature of what the person's all about when it comes to their faith and when it comes to their physical boundaries and their relationship to sex before marriage. Now, I'll say something else with this. In that moment, when you're gaining where this person stands on their values, you do not need to air out all of your past right there. You hardly know this person. We are just trying to, it's like an interview at this point still. 
we're just seeing if this is going to work, if we're even on the same playing field. Now, later down the road, it is very important to talk about your sexual past with one another, your fears, your thoughts, your lies, all these things that come up with that, your emotions. But no, you know, you just, you got, you just met this person. We just want to know value-wise, are you in the same atmosphere? All right. Now you choose, you're like, all right, we're in the same atmosphere. This is going to work. We have a great time together. Let's date. So you start dating this person. You need boundaries and you need to clarify the boundaries. The boundaries are going to be different for everyone. And what I mean by that is not that some people are going to like fondle with certain things and other people aren't. I'm talking about like some people are like, they feel like God has convicted them not to like be cuddly. They feel like God has convicted them not to kiss or hold hands. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you, that's why having a relationship with God is so important to go to God and say, what are the physical boundaries you have for us, God? What is What are the physical boundaries you have for me? He will convict your heart. When you go past the line that God actually has for you, you will know. You will know. So some people totally are fine with kissing and dating and it's like super innocent. There's no fantasies happening in their mind and they're not being adulterous in that way. But some people won't kiss until they get married. So you just have to define what is that. And then what is, you got to communicate the boundaries too. So you need to know, because if one person's thinking one thing and the other person's thinking one thing, they're going to feel rejected. And then actually the one who's feeling rejected might actually feel more understood if they just understood what the other person's thinking. And they could take that to God and wrestle with that and have a conversation for themselves on what they believe for that as well. And God might change that person's heart. Maybe that person never even thought about like, oh, I see how kissing could potentially lead me to fantasy land in my brain and have me thinking things I shouldn't be thinking about you. And I don't, yeah, I don't want to like dishonor God. That's a great idea. Let's, let's wait. Or you know what? I don't have fantasies when I kiss. So like I can keep it. Is it G rated? G rated is a thing. I think. Yeah. When you're like a baby. Um, the other thing, too, is do you have a piece of communication and a signal that you can flare the second things start to get out of line and start to maybe pedal towards this is not godly or it looks like we're going to get to a place where this is not godly. So have some sort of whatever safe word or you just leave and both of you understand that if one of us just leaves, it's because it's getting too much and I need to go. I would say also with these boundaries, be smart. You know what temptations are created when you're hanging out on the couch watching a movie and all the lights are off and it's dark outside. You know what's going to happen if you go on vacation and you get one room, one bed. You know the temptations. You're human. These are normal. These are normal desires, normal sensations of your body. So we want to set ourselves up for success. Be smart. And if you're not sure, if you're asking yourself, what would God say in this moment? Ooh, I'm embarrassed to tell my friend that I did that. You probably shouldn't be doing it. Best way of putting it. If you can't ride in the same car, because when you get to your destinations, you're always wanting to make out and it's getting hot and heavy and you want other things, don't ride in the same car. If you can't hang out at night, talk to each other on the phone. What a beautiful boundary. So set clear boundaries in all areas. Set yourself up for success. Don't create areas of temptation. I personally, I think if you can't trust yourselves to just be with each other, then being in group settings is really important. Having maybe a close friend come and hang out with the two of you. Like a little threesome. Like of like, this is my chaperone. Might seem weird, but to be honest, it doesn't have to be weird. It's just three people hanging out and having a good time. You can still in-depth get to know that person. And then if you're like, the only time I can hang out with this individual that I'm getting to know and dating and not be tempted to pounce their bones is when I'm outside at a park in the middle of the day and there's like 50 people around. Then great. That's when you go have your deep one-on-one conversations. It's temporary, guys. Go back to what we were talking about earlier. These ways of being these boundaries you're putting in place are teaching you self-control so that when you're in marriage you have self-control for obedience and faithfulness and holiness and loyalty to your spouse and to god god is training you now this is training season someone texted me that yesterday you're in your pre-season this is your pre-season 
Okay. I kind of said it with like having a chaperone. I don't mean like your mom or your dad. I mean, you could. Might be a little weird, but you could. No judgment if that's who you choose and not a friend. Is also dating in community is really powerful. Seeing how that person interacts with other people, seeing how they communicate with other people, seeing how you communicate with other people when that person's around. And, and just creating opportunities to get to know other, other people get to know that person as well. Because I think a lot of times in dating, especially in like cultural dating, we like cultural being like what the world says to do is we date alone. And then we never see the red flags because we're so obsessed with all the like, okay things about the person. And then we settle because we never had another person come over and be like, I don't know, like, Emma, that kind of seems off that that person's acting that way. And two things with this. Be diligent about the type of people you spend time with, with this person. So if you're dating in community, be diligent about the people that you're getting advice from. Because if, if someone has really unhealthy relationship habits and then they're telling you all this advice, they're coming from a perspective of probably unhealthy relationships. You want to be dating this person in community around other people who have healthy relationships, who have had healthy relationships, who have healthy relationships with God. You want to make sure that they come from solid values and are looking to glorify God too, not just like, Emma, take them for a test ride. Do whatever you want. YOLO. No, no. <laughs> okay, what is the benefit? Why is it so important and beautiful to live in this area of obedience with dating? I already said it before. You're, you're practicing. You're in the preseason, the training season of marriage when you're single, dating, engaged getting your mind right to self-control and faithfulness. You're learning how to be in deeper relationship with God and rely on him, go to him for everything. And you're redefining all of these lies that we try and hold on to about romantic relationships, marriage, all of it, sex, our body. And you are cleansing yourself of the past. And you're learning how to build real relationship. Everything that we're talking about today is also how to build real relationship with friends. Like, if you can take away the physical and still have, like, serious like feelings and love feelings towards someone, and you have amazing conversation, you can talk about everything, you can handle conflict, and you can have deep combo about things that are heavy and hard, and you can have a good time, and you're not sleeping with them, yet because you're not married and you're like I am still on fire for this person they make me so excited or I just love to serve them so grateful for them and you can see yourself with this individual and you have mutual values and you're building this deep connection minus the physical imagine when you you um, bring in the physical once you're married how much deeper all of those other things are going to go I wish I had the button. We're going to get the button. If you don't know what the button is, guys, it's when you press a button and then it sounds like something's exploding. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really good. All right. So in recap, what did we talk about today? We talked about what does God see for us when it comes to sex and marriage. We talked about what culture thinks. We talked about holiness. We talked about obedience. We talked about ridding ourselves of soul ties. We talked about how to date in obedience. Now, guys, I could have done a podcast on each one of those and that we will eventually get through. That was a list of like seven different things that we could definitely do a podcast on each one. And I will do a podcast on a few of those in depth. I think that um, living in obedience and holiness is a powerful one as well as what does it look like to date in modern culture? But as a Christian, very important, something that unfortunately a lot of us have not experienced and we have to learn in trial and error. So I pray that you don't have to have the error. You just have the trial, honestly. If you have any questions, if you need any support or prayer, you would like more resources, leave those questions, comments, in the comment and review section or DM me if you don't feel comfortable messaging them directly in public. 
let's pray. And then I've got some resources for you guys and where you can find them. Lord, thank you for showing up, for speaking through me, for this wisdom. I just pray over each individual listener who popped on today to hear a word from you. I just pray that this penetrates their hearts and that they choose to change their relationship to sex and marriage because of what you're doing in their heart. And I just pray for soul ties to be cut in the name of Jesus and for people to turn away from their old ways and and choose a life of holiness and experience real freedom, real just love that you have for us, Jesus. So bless those who listen to this for their obedience and just show yourself on a whole new level. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys. This was an absolute blessing getting to speak with all of you. I hope this was helpful. If you enjoyed today's message, please leave a review, share, like, subscribe. All your support means the world for getting this mission out to individuals that need to hear what a real relationship with God is so they can break free from lethal thought patterns and step into their God-given purpose. Also, if you are looking for more resources or ways to get connected, we are going to leave a link in the show notes and it will be next to where it says more, M-O-R-E, more. And that is where you can gain more resources and more ways to connect. And I will send you those via email. So go ahead and click that link in the show notes. We'll also leave it here at the bottom of this video. Love you all. Have a wonderful weekend. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Break Free on Purpose podcast. Like, share, subscribe for more. See you next time. Peace.